Key players already starting to make their return to that New Orleans Saints roster with more expected on the way soon. How Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport have begun to hit their stride at exactly the right time and why Monday night's game shouldn't represent what's ahead for the New Orleans Saints. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. So today I want to get started in today's episode talking a little bit about what is already up ahead for the New Orleans Saints as players are beginning to return to the roster. Good news for the New Orleans Saints at this time. So I, I want to start off with that as well as some of the comments that Sean Payton discussed with uh, New Orleans media on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday morning. So let's kick this off with a look at the two players that have already been activated from the COVID reserve list for the New Orleans Saints. As a reminder, the Saints played Monday night's game with 22 players on that reserve list, in addition to the injuries and unavailability that they're already sort of having to navigate and find their way through all season. But they had 22 players, four coaches. So far, we've heard that Malcolm Jenkins starting safety, as well as Juwan Johnson, uh, uh, not a starting tight end, but a big piece of what the New Orleans Saints are able to do in the passing game, which isn't much, but Juwan Johnson's been a bit of a bright spot when he's been targeted. They have both returned to uh, the Saints facility. They are now activated off of that COVID reserve list. Now, Sean Payton spoke with media Wednesday morning, and he mentioned that there would be no practice on Wednesday today, which is typical for the New Orleans Saints when they play a Monday night game. They usually get to practice on Thursday. And But the expectation here from Sean Payton is that had they practiced on Wednesday, that they would not have gotten, they, they would not have had their quarterbacks back. So Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, uh, not expected to be back at this time. So we'll see what that means by the end of the day when we do see the players that end up getting activated off of that COVID reserve list, because it did sound like Sean Payton expects that some players could be back today. So let's take a look at sort of the group of players that could potentially end up being activated by the end of the day and how the NFL's new protocols, which conveniently went into place on Tuesday uh, after the Saints Monday night game. I know, I get it. I understand why it happened, but still I can look at it and say, of course it would happen that way. But when it comes down to it, let's just take a look and focus on what it is that the New Orleans Saints could potentially be getting back here before practice on Thursday. So the first group of players to go on the COVID reserve list after Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman. So Adam Troutman is definitely one that could potentially come off. We know Juwan Johnson has already come off the list were both of the quarterbacks as well as Malcolm Jenkins. Doesn't sound like there's an expectation that the quarterbacks were going to be activated or would have been activated in time for today's practice had they had it, but could potentially be activated at the end of the day for tomorrow's practice. So keep an eye out on the quarterbacks. Jalen Holmes, a defensive end for the New Orleans Saints out of Ohio State. He has been somebody that has been rotating in over at that very thin defensive line that the Saints have had to continue to navigate throughout the uh, the, the season so far. Uh, linebacker Caden Ellis, who has been a core special teamer for them. Offensive tackle Jordan Mills, who has gotten probably more snaps than expected this season because of the injuries 
that both Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick have been navigating so far this season. Safety Jeff Heath, who has also been a core special teamer. Defensive tackle Christian Ringo, who has been a key piece of their rotation on the defensive line, particularly within the interior. And offensive lineman James Carpenter, who oftentimes has served as the sixth offensive lineman with Calvin Throckmorton now sort of permanently engaged in that left guard position in place of uh, Andrus Pete, who's out for the year, and then James Hurst right now playing sort of those sub positions over at left tackle and right tackle. Usually James Hurst would be that guy, but he's been a little occupied over the course of the past few weeks. So those are the players that went on the earliest. Now, it doesn't mean that those are the players that are the only ones that could potentially come off the list. We could see maybe some of the later names that went on the list uh, come off as well because the NFL has changed the way that they're looking at these COVID protocols and what the requirements are for a positive test and a quarantine following a positive test. So according to the sort of adopting the new CDC guidelines here, what that means is that five-day quarantine is all that is required for players that are, regardless of vaccination status, are, are, are asymptomatic, are showing no symptoms. So that becomes the key now to you know how quickly a player can come back. It used to be 10 days. Now they've cut it in half. It's only five days. And so if they do have symptoms, however, then a player can come back 24 hours after their fever is gone without the use of any type of fever-reducing medication or uh, as long and as long as their symptoms have sort of either the way that they phrase this resolved or improved, whatever that means. So that seems that that seems a little like um, relative, but I guess is maybe the best word to say. I don't know there. But anyway, once those have either resolved or improved, then a player could also return. So they, of course, all have to be cleared by a team as well as league official or uh, uh, um, a doctor. And then they have to, of course, meet all local requirements. Some requirements, some states have certain requirements. Think about um, Kyrie Irving, New York with the with the Nets, stuff like that. So the New Orleans Saints still expecting to get some players back, but we'll see. We can't guarantee that every player of the 22 that has gone on the list was asymptomatic. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they could all come back within five days. But all of them are now subject to the new guidelines, including the four coaches that were also added to the list. So Saints could be getting those players back sooner rather than later. So that's the update on everything going on around the Saints when it comes to their um, health and safety protocols and potential availability. The Saints will be back at practice on Thursday. And one of the big things we're going to be keeping an eye out on for the rest of the season is going to be the health of that defensive line. Because right now, Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan are producing at a clip that we haven't seen from them at the same time since Marcus Avonboard has been in New Orleans, and they are catching their stride at exactly the right time. We're going to talk about how we can see that, we talk about why it's important as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, look, I can't credit Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport's uh, big sort of rise here over the course of the past few weeks to protein bars, but if I was going to, it would be because of Built Bars. There's absolutely no doubt about that, because Built Bars give you everything that you need and the best of both worlds. Not only are they good for you, but they're also good tasting. They're absolutely delicious and they're packed with protein, 17, 18 grams of protein, but only four, five, six grams of sugar as well. So they are low in sugar, low in carbs, high in fiber, high in protein, the things that you need to get through your day and high in deliciousness as well. I haven't used the word deliciousness in a long time. So the deliciosity of these protein bars is absolutely unmatched across all other protein bars that are out there. We're talking about flavors like cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, 
peanut butter brownie, all covered in 100% chocolate. But remember, single digit grams of sugar in these bad boys. So go and check them out for yourself. If you don't believe me, you got to try them. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Get 15% off of your order there. That's 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 over at built.com. The best tasting protein bar on the market. Mark my words. Go and check them out. Built.com. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making the show your first listen of the day. Don't forget to go and check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. Just search Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview in your favorite podcast provider. You're going to get everything that you need from our local experts to betting advice to draft analysis from the most exciting time of the year in college football these college football playoffs, as well as a couple of those New Year's Six games that you're going to be invested in as well. So go and check it out wherever you get your podcast premiering now. New episodes every day all throughout uh, the beginning of next week. So go and check it out. All right, so let's jump into this next piece of our conversation here. The New Orleans Saints have been bolstered big time when it comes to their defense because of the pass rush. And Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan are rightfully leading the charge, and they're hitting their stride at exactly the right time. Back in week two, right, we're going to go back to the first Carolina Panthers game. There was no Marcus Davenport in that game. Cam Jordan's start to the season was a little slow. And we want to look at the Carolina Panthers game because we have a Carolina Panthers game coming up that we're going to be talking about here throughout the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by Julian Council of Locked on Panthers for our crossover Thursday there. But I want to note here that in week two, up against Sam Darnold, now we know that we're going to see potentially up to three quarterbacks up against Carolina at this point because they have no idea what they're doing over there. But uh, when it comes down to it, we saw Sam Darnold last last time, so that's what we're going to talk about here. So when you saw Sam Darnold under pressure last game, it, it wasn't great for him, right? He was two of five under pressure with one interception, but the deal is, is that he was only under pressure for eight dropbacks, nine total pressures generated by the New Orleans Saints in that game. So not great uh, for the New Orleans Saints there. Now we have seen this pass rush really have a bit of a resurgence or maybe a, an arrival, I think would be more more likely or more appropriate to say, uh, over the course of the past few weeks up against the New York Jets, uh, Zach Wilson under pressure for 13 dropbacks, 19 of which were totally generated by the defensive line or by the New Orleans Saints defense. On those snaps, when he threw the ball nine times, completed only one pass, and was also sacked three times. So they put a lot of punishment there on the young rookie, Zach Wilson. Did the same thing to the old vet in Tom Brady, week 15, uh, under pressure for 15 dropbacks, 19 pressures generated by that Saints defensive line. Tom Brady, four of 10 under pressure with an interception, sacked four times. Last week or this week on Monday up against the Miami Dolphins, uh, the uh, Tua Tagovailoa only pressured on nine dropbacks in this one. So just one more than Sam Darnold back in week two. My count says 10 from watching the film. I have 10 because I have that the interception was also with him under pressure. He had defensive ends coming at him from either side. He was actually hit on that play or, or, or touched on that play by one of those defensive linemen. He stepped up and then was able to throw the ball cleanly, but he was under pressure because he was concerned about those players coming up behind him. That's why he sailed it over the top, get the overthrow. And then of course, Marshawn Lattimore were able to get the interception there. Pro Football Focus does not have the interception credited as him being under pressure. I do. So for me, it is 10 total dropbacks that he was under pressure. 13 pressures generated in total, and Tua on those 10 dropbacks was four of seven with an interception by my count in that. So the big thing to look at, though, is the number of dropbacks that these guys were under pressure. You're talking about 13 for Zach Wilson, 15 for Tom Brady, but only nine for Tua, only eight for 
uh, Sam Darnold. But here's the other piece to all of this is that that's the volume, but what's the efficiency? What's sort of the the percentage here? What's the average in terms of the amount of times that they were under pressure? That ends up being the big difference between what we saw with Darnold and Tua in weeks 16 and week two. Sam Darnold in week two was pressured only 19.5% of his dropbacks to a 31% of his dropbacks. So that ends up being a huge chunk of time that Tua spent under pressure. That's what the New Orleans Saints are going to need to do, not just up against the Carolina Panthers this weekend, but all throughout the rest of the season. Carolina, Atlanta, if they make it into the playoffs, they'll have to be able to be productive there. And all signs point to the ability to be able to be exactly as such. If we look at Marcus Davenport, Five of the last six games, he's registered a sack. He's had four uh, pressures in each of his last four games, or at least four pressures in each of his last four games. And he was out versus Carolina back in week two. You remember he got injured during the week one win up against the Green Bay Packers. Cam Jordan, who now sits at 102.5 career sacks so far over his illustrious career, two sacks and four pressures in each of the last two games. He actually only exceeded four pressures twice this season before week 15. Those were in week one as well as in week three up against New England, where he had like nine pressures in that game. But then he didn't do it again up until he got up against Tampa Bay uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So and he didn't have any multi-sack games at all this season until that game as well. So he's really turned it up here over the last couple of games. Over the last two games, Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan have combined for six sacks, a pair of QB hits, as well as 17 total pressures. 17, that's eight and a half pressures over the course of the last two games per game. They're doing a great job. And so that's important. You can see why it's important when we talked about how it impacts the quarterbacks, knowing the quarterbacks that they're going up against this week as well in Carolina or against Carolina. When you look at Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold over the course of the season has thrown six interceptions to one touchdown when under pressure and has completed only 44.7% of his passes. Hey, Ross, you might see Cam Newton. Sure. 37.2% of his passes completed when under pressure, one touchdown, one interception. Hey, Ross, we might see PJ Walker. Absolutely. 33.3% of his passes completed when under pressure, zero touchdowns and three interceptions. So pressure, very important this weekend against Carolina. One last thing that I want to just make sure that I note here is the grading for these players. Marcus Davenport right now, a top three graded edge rusher, according to pro football focus over the course of the entire season. Over the course of the last two weeks, both Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan are top 12 with Marcus Davenport still being top three. David Onyemata, though, should not be forgotten in the midst of this equation. We're talking about the edge rushers, but uh, David Onyemata, 14 pressures over the last five weeks. Only one sack, though, so you'd like to see that production come up for sure. But hey, if you're getting pressure on the interior, we know how that impacts players. That includes seven pressures in the game in Tampa Bay, the big win there. It was a shutout. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, that was the only game also in which he played more than 30 pass rushing snaps with a total of 43 in that game. So you can see the big swing here in terms of how the Saints have been able to produce in pass rush, and it's incredibly important to their success when it comes to how they impact quarterbacks. We're not done talking about this topic. Later on this week, when we get to Friday and we build our game plan in terms of going against uh, Carolina and what they need to do to win, we're going to come back to this because there's also some things to look at in terms of the first five games and the last five games of the season and how the Saints have completely flipped in terms of the way that they produce and the way that they win against opposing quarterbacks. So we'll break that down on Friday. But this right here, this stuff right here, this is the important stuff right here. The Saints have to be able to continue to generate pressure. And right now, they're all they're showing 
the upward trajectory that they need to show at this point in the season. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show with a good look at Monday's game and why we should just leave it in the past and why it is not at all representative of what you should expect from the New Orleans Saints for the rest of the season. We'll break that down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look at why Monday night's game should not be representative for anyone of what's ahead for the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are still with two games left, both divisional games, Carolina Panthers at home, and then they're at the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So glad that we're away from the Mercedes-Benz pairing thing with the Saints and Falcons. But when it comes down to when we look at this Monday night game, I've seen a lot of people say, hey, Look, the Saints season is over. Pack it up. Did you see the Monday night game? They played terribly. So I want to take this time, in case you missed the recap on Monday, to just kind of talk about why this game is not representative of what you should expect from the New Orleans Saints for the rest of the season, because the circumstances under which the New Orleans Saints were subject on Monday night are temporary situations, compounding on top of permanent situations and circumstances, of course. But for the most part, they're temporary. And we're already starting to see that with guys like Malcolm Jenkins and Juwan Johnson coming back to the team off of the COVID reserve list. So let's talk about what the Saints were without on Monday and how we expect that to be different as they get ready for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. All right, so just as a reminder, the New Orleans Saints on Monday night were without quarterbacks one through three, wide receivers one and two, left tackle one, right tackles one through three, uh, and at one point four as well, uh, left guard one, tight ends one and three, tight ends two and three, depending upon how you look at Adam Troutman and Juwan Johnson. On the defensive side, they were without defensive ends three through six, defensive tackles three and four, which massively impacts their ability to be able to rotate and stay impactful on the defensive line. Strong safety one, who is now back in Malcolm Jenkins, as well as linebackers one and two. So there are two of your veteran leaders at safety and at linebacker that were out in this game. And then you had a handful of key special teamers. Your kicker never got it out on this season, and they were without four coaches, which led to snaps from players like linebacker Sharif Finch, uh, defensive tackle Braxton Hoyt in his second career game over the course of two seasons, offensive lineman Caleb Beninock, his first offensive snaps on the field during the regular season since 2019, and offensive lineman Kyle Murphy, his first regular season snaps since 2017, literally signed the day that he played on Monday. Those things will very likely, at least many of these things, will very likely not be the case on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. So when we look at how the Saints struggled with their rookie fourth round and fourth string effectively quarterback who's been inactive all season under center, with their sixth, seventh defensive tackles on the field at different times, because you've also had to shift some of the guys that man tackle over to your left tackle spot, over to your left guard spot and a defense that didn't have a clear leader, although Pete Werner played incredibly well in terms of being the guy that was the play caller for them. We talked about that and highlighted that in yesterday's episode, but without guys like Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins, you're going to have a little bit of a dip over on the defensive side. And honestly, I thought the defense played well. They allowed 13 points on the on, in this game. Not terrible. So for the Saints, when I look at this, I have a lot of trouble looking at Monday's game and sort of copy and pasting that to Sunday's game against Carolina and next Sunday's game against Atlanta. I have a lot of trouble with that. And so we're not going to do that. And we're going to look at the New Orleans Saints game as they host the Carolina Panthers as a fresh slate 
And we'll learn more as the Saints get more players back and they get their quarterbacks back and they get Taysom Hill back on the field. Although there does seem to be at least a little bit of an expectation that Taysom Hill will be back for Sunday's game against Carolina, which would be good news for the Saints. You know, if you can get your offensive line healthy, uh, 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 Teron Armstead, boy, that was a struggle. Teron Armstead was, you know, game time decision, very close to being back in this game against Miami, but wasn't able to get back out onto the field. It was a game day, game time decision. So hopefully that gives you hope that he'll be able to be back for Sunday. We'll see what's going on with Ryan Ramchek. I I have not been concerned about an offensive lineman the way that I am concerned about Ryan Ramchek at this point. Like the fact that he has not been put on injury reserve, but can't get his way back out onto the field and then ends up on the COVID reserve list. There's just a lot going on with that whole situation. So hopefully we'll get a, a positive update around Ryan Ramchek for the first time since like midseason, which would be great. And then, you know, we'll see what they're able to get in terms of some of these players back over on the defensive side, like Tamario Davis and Quan Alexander, so on and so forth. So it, it, you'll be hard pressed to get me to a point where I'm willing to take Monday's game and slap what happened on Monday onto my expectations moving forward over the course of the next two seasons or over the course of the next two games. I just can't do it, right? Because so many things in terms of the circumstances that the Saints were subject to are temporary and will very likely be at least somewhat improved before even Sunday's game against Carolina. So it's okay to have a little bit of hope. It's okay to have a little bit of optimism going into this game up against Carolina. We're going to break it all down tomorrow with our good friend Julian Council from Locked on Panthers who's going to come through for crossover Thursday. I wanted to save a little bit of time here at the end of the episode just to quickly talk about the passing of John Madden. Uh, Rest in peace to an absolute legend. Um, John Madden, I don't think I would have fallen in love with the game of football the way that I did without him. Whether it was watching him and Pat Summerall, watching him and Al Michaels, whether it was playing the video games and you know and everything like that, like there's, I have a hard time trying to picture my life in learning the game of football, falling in love with the game of football without John Madden present. So, look, his you know one of his documentaries just came out on Christmas Day. It's an unexpected passing, and and honestly, it stinks, right? It it sucks. <laughs> it it is something that is. It's one of those ones that really rocks you, even if you've never personally met the person, right? So I, I'm gonna keep this brief because I've never met John Madden, and I don't want to steal away from people that actually have and were impacted firsthand by this guy. But I think most of us, people that are watching this, those of you that are listening to this, you, me, like we are all people that have been impacted directly or indirectly by John Madden. So I guess this is really just my thank you to John Madden, I I suppose, but it's also a thank you to you, right? Like I wouldn't have fallen in love with, with football the way that I did without John Madden. And I wouldn't have been able to turn it into a career without John Madden, but I also wouldn't have been able to turn it into a career without you. So thank you for your support. Thank John Madden for everything that he did for the sport. And, uh, you know, just, Rest in peace, King, like we see you. Um, All right, I'm just going to wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow, crossover Thursday, Julian Council. We'll build our game plan on Friday. We'll also be joined by one of our friends from WWL on Friday as well with the Monday schedule. We usually move uh, WWL Wednesdays to WWL Friday, so we'll knock that out as well, and we'll be joined by one of our good friends over there. So very much looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to the rest of this week and getting you ready for the New Orleans Saints hosting the Carolina Panthers this weekend. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen today. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked on Bets with your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Make some of that holiday spending money that you spent over the course of the holidays. Make some of that back with your friends over at Locked on Bets. As always, y'all, for everything you need for the New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. 
I'll holla at you.